You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. So I'm Pastor Bob, and uh, I'm pinch hitting today for Pastor Jason. It was last uh, Wednesday that Jason got uh, a call that uh, his younger brother had suddenly died. And the Leininger family is back home uh, in Michigan uh, to be with his loved ones at a very difficult time of grief for them. And we certainly ask for your prayers to be very close uh, to them this morning. Right before Jason, uh, right as Jason was getting the phone call just minutes before or minutes after, he was to teach the class on Romans, and he proceeded to do so, leading a 90-minute Romans session just after hearing that his brother had died. And I asked him later, Jason, how did you do it? And he said, well, this is for the living. There was a message there that, that Romans, uh, that what we're talking about today, it's for the living. I thought that was a wonderful witness of a life that's centered, a life that has hope. And so today, as we're talking about the ambitious life, we're talking about living this life with the good news of Jesus, with the hope that we all have. So in that spirit, um, I want to I ask you this morning, first of all, how many of you have had the benefit of having a coach before, either a coach in sports or in vocation, your profession. I mean, many of you, I mean, almost all of us, right? In some way or another have had a coach. Now think about the coaches that you've had or currently have. What are the qualities or the characteristics that make them a good coach? Just call them out. Call them out loud because it's a large room and I'm hard of hearing. Supportive, leadership. Encourager, teacher, patience, straight shooter, committed, they, they, caring. They believe in us, right, for one thing. And, and most likely they've played the game themselves or they're in the business themselves or they're in the company themselves. They, they believe in us, but they know what they're talking about because it's not just theory. It's just not something they've read about. But it's something that they are involved in or have been involved in, and they, and, and they know what they're talking about, and they, and they believe in us, they see the assets in us, and they're, they're, they're for us. I've had a lot of coaches, and, and frankly, uh, the older I get, sometimes I feel like I need more coaches than ever. In the last seven years, I've had two coaches, two other pastors that's come alongside me, to help retool me, to help equip me. One, one of the pastors that came as a coach for me for a year is about my age. And another pastor that came alongside me for about a half year, I think half year is about all he could take, um, was a guy half my age. Because he had the expertise 
in the area that I need it. And right now, I have a spiritual coach. I have a spiritual director, Sister Charlotte. And by the way, hopefully no one has a misinterpretation that I'm anti-Catholic by talking about what Martin Luther had to do 500 years ago. But Sister Charlotte, I meet up with her once a month, and she's my spiritual coach. I talk to her about what's going on in my spirit, in my life, really. And she's been in the trenches. She's been doing this. She's involved in her relationship with Jesus. And so I need that coach. And I would suggest to you that wherever you are on the Christian journey, if you take faith seriously, you may need a spiritual coach too. You may need a spiritual guide. One of the things that we're doing at Schweitzer is we're creating and training spiritual guides. People that can walk one-on-one with other persons, persons that have been down the road, maybe a little farther than we have. People who've been knocked down on their face a few times. People who've hit the wall. But people who love Jesus and love people and won't judge and encourage us and believe in us and help us to press on. I don't know how in the world you stay centered in Jesus and how you live this ambitious life in the way that Paul is calling us to live it without that kind of coaching, without those kind of people that press us forward in our life. Now, let's think about this just a little bit. I'm, uh, I'm someone that's been a very frustrated St. Louis Cardinal fan the last couple of years. I mean, these Cardinals have not been playing the Cardinal way. They don't know how to play fundamental baseball. They can hit home runs, well, big whoopee. But they don't know how to bunt. They don't know how to field. They don't know how to run bases. They don't know where to throw the ball. And there's one guy that's been missing for the last two years, and I made the connection, Jose Okendo. Jose Okendo is the secret weapon of the Cardinals. Now, those of you who are not Cardinal fans, just stay with me, but you, ought to, you really ought to be anyway. But Jose Okendo was the guy for about 10 or 15 years that was known as the sweet secret weapon in St. Louis, the, the super sub who could play any position, who was never the star, but was always the guy that had the head in the game, the heart in the game, knew how to slide, knew how to run, knew how to field, knew where to throw the ball. And he was our third base coach during the championship years. And for two years, he's been gone because of an illness and personal reasons. And the best news I've heard from St. Louis in two years is that he's gonna be back next year as our third base coach. Now, folks, we gotta get down to the fundamentals. And what the Apostle Paul is doing and what the Paul has been saying to us in the book of Romans and what he's saying in the scripture that KJ read earlier is that are, are, we, are we in the game or not? And what Paul says with confidence, did you catch that in verse 14? If we could have that back up there again, 
Sorry, Kathy, I didn't tell you about that. But he says, I'm fully convinced. Look, look, listen to this. Isn't this beautiful? You talk about a coach. I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. Man, what an affirmation. How did he know that? You know how he knew that? Paul had never been to Rome. But the people that are now in Rome, most of those people, he discipled himself. He found them along the way in the Mediterranean Sea. He found them in different places. Some of these people are uh, part of the Roman province. Some of these people are Roman officers. Some of these people are Jews. Some of these are Greek. Many of them are women. But he knows them personally. Phoebe, if you read chapter 16 of Romans, is the, is the deacon the woman leader in the church is going to lead and take the letter itself to the people in Rome. And Paul is fully convinced that they're full of goodness, that they have the goodness of God in them. And he says, you know these things, you understand them well, so you're even able to teach other people. I just love that. I mean, if you are someone that's reading this letter and, you're, and you've heard all about the things we've been talking about in this sermon series from Paul, about that we're justified by grace, that we have the Holy Spirit. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about his own life then. In the scripture that we just read, he's talking about how that Jesus Christ has done some amazing things in him and through him. He wants people to know Paul, nearing the end of his life, that it was never about him, that he never did these things on his own strength, but he did them as the Holy Spirit was working through him. And the big ambition, the big motivating factor for Paul was this. The people who had never heard the good news. That where there was never a church, there would be a church. There would be a new faith community. There would be new people that would come and know Jesus Christ through him. Now, let me ask you something. Let me just pretend like I'm your spiritual coach this morning a little bit, okay? What do y'all do for a living? What do you do for a living? What's your vocation? What's your profession? What do you do to pay the bills? Now, that's one thing. But another question, a deeper question, is what are you living for? What are you living for? What are you, why are you living and why are you doing what you do? Whether it's in work or in play or in your family life, what are you living for? You know, some people just live for the weekends. You talk to people, they say, I'm just living for the weekend. I can't wait for the weekend. I doubt if that's true of you because if you were living for the weekend, you probably wouldn't be here this morning. <laughs> or some people just can't wait for the new movie to come out. Star Wars, December 15th, not naming any names. Uh, some people live for themselves. I've done that. I can do that as a pastor. I can do that as a religious person. There's been times when I've done things for God, but I was really just living for myself. 
So what's your ambition in life? What are you living for? Do you have ambition? Do you have passion? Is there something that drives you? The definition for ambition is a strong desire to do or achieve something, typically requiring determination and hard work. Some of us don't have ambition. Not a good thing. Some of us may be ambitious, but about the things that really don't matter. I tend to believe that no matter what you do for a living, unless you're doing some harm, that's a good and noble thing. But why I do what I do in my vocation, in my spiritual life, in my family life, in my relationships, what's the underlying goal and thrust of why I get up in the morning? Why? My grandson, Oren, three years old, is into the why question. Oren, let's go outside. Why, Papa? Well, let's go outside and let's put your coat on. Oh, why, Papa? Well, because it's cold outside. Why is it cold outside, Papa? Full of why questions. To me, that's a good question to ask. You know, when I was uh, growing up, the baby boomer generation, I don't think we ever figured it out, basically. Because we, we lived uh, into, into our 40s and we were asking the question, how? How am I doing? How can I make more money? And what's tragic about my generation is I don't think we ever figured out why. Because my generation typically is so much into narcissistic behavior and attitude and perspective that we may be getting older. But we basically haven't matured. And I say that just in terms of recent data that suggests and tells us that alcohol and problem drinking has, has more than risen 100% among younger seniors, and that the divorce rate now among baby boomers, we're talking about people in their 60s primarily, is spiking because the realization is I've lived with her or him for 30 years. I'm not sure I can take another 30. And I am not here to rat on anybody that's gone through divorce nor am I suggesting to you that sometimes that is not something that has to happen. But I'm just saying that, friends, we live in a world that is so me-centered. And my generation was the first one that got the t-shirt. That unless we have the power of the gospel to change the why, to have the ambition to be filled with the love of Christ, to have a joy and a peace that the world cannot give, that it doesn't matter what you do for a living or the car you drive or the house you live in, but the purpose behind your life 
the motivation, the heart, the drive, the passion, the energy. And if it's not centered in Christ, it's just not, it's just not worthy of you. It's not good enough for you. Martin Luther said it this way, that whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your heart. So this morning, um, I want to ask you to think about Christianity in a different way than I think we're programmed to think it. I think we're programmed to think of Christianity basically as the basic package rather than the deluxe plan. I'm borrowing the metaphor from J.D. Walt, but this is my read on the Christian faith that's experienced by so many people. Jesus is my savior. And my faith is really good fire insurance. It'll keep me in God's good stead and it'll get me to heaven. And I'm going to pull on God. I'm going to rely on God in an emergency. He's my savior. We got the basic plan down. And I'm good with that, and I can just use God when I need him. But but is he our Lord? Because God wants to be so much more than some concept or some distant Savior or the man upstairs. God is imminent and close and personal, and God wants this relationship with us a deep friendship, an intimacy, an aliveness, a love. And friends, just like when it comes to buying an airplane ticket, you can, get with, you can go for the upgrade. Or whether you're on some kind of phone plan, you can go for the deluxe model. Or I've got Amazon, I can go under Amazon Prime. Where are we in our faith? Is it just the basic plan that's functional and not relational and not real? Or do we really want want it all? And just like any deluxe plan, it costs us more. But it's, it's so much worth it. In fact, nothing else really matters. In 2007, there was a movie that came out, The, the Bucket List, and it, was a, it really hit the, the charts, Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, and the question that became so much a part of our culture was, uh, what's on your bucket list? What's on your bucket list? So what's on your bucket list? What do you want to do before you die? What do you want to do? The next 10 years, the next 20 years, what do you want to do with your life? What is it that excites you? What is it that propels you? What is it that stirs your heart and your spirit? 
God doesn't want to be a part of your life. God is your life. And I just really believe what E. Stanley Jones said 100 years ago is true, that there comes a point in the time where if Jesus isn't Lord of all our life, he's not Lord at all. I can't imagine something more boring and stifling and stale than ankle-deep religion, which is what we'll talk about next week. I can't think of anything more life-giving than the things of the Spirit. And friends, it is not easy to press through. That's why we need spiritual coaches. That's why we need spiritual community. But it takes our will and our desire. Last couple of years, we've been uh, meeting a lot of different people through our staff. And we had this practice a year ago where each of us would take one day where we were in the hot seat. And we could talk about our life and then the staff could ask us any questions. So on the day in which I was asked, uh, one of the staff members asked the question, uh, Bob, what's on your bucket list? I wanted to protest because uh, no one else was asked that question. So I guess they thought I was about ready to kick the bucket. And so they asked me that question. And I didn't have an answer. I didn't really, I, because I feel so content in my spirit. There's some places I could go. There's things I could do, but I'm content. Nothing I really want to do or have to do. But now, as I think about it, this is how I'd answer the question. I want to be a part of a thriving, dynamic community of faith. I want to be a part of an atmosphere where people are really engaged in worship. I want to be a part of a church that's really impacting this community. I want to be a part of a place that are filled with people of faith and people who have the hope of the good news of Jesus in their life and they cannot wait but to share that good news in some way with others every day they live. I want to be a that community and that's what I live for and that's Basically, what's on my bucket list? What's on yours? Lord, we thank you for your presence. Um, thank you for the good news of the gospel of Jesus. We thank you for people who go before us. God, I pray you just bless people's spirits and hearts this morning. And whatever challenging word that you've spoken into someone's life, that you would let them resonate with that and listen to your spirit and minister to us now. I do not want any harsh word to come into anyone's life, but the t tender nudge, the convicting but clear word of your spirit. Help us as we go into this time of worship now to know more 
of you and go for the full package, the real deal. Through Jesus Christ, amen.